Hello and welcome to the Geek Embassy Watches, a monthly roundtable where our ambassadors discuss what we've been watching for the past month and what we're looking forward to in the next four weeks. I'm your host, Dante Bucheri, and I'm joined by my two wonderful co-hosts, Regina McManamy and Isabella Oliveira. How is everybody this evening? Fantabulous. Uh, like, allergy-ish. Oh, <laughs> yes. So I think it's really horrible that we have this whole coronavirus, COVID-19 thing going on mm-hmm. in allergy season because I have allergies and I sneezed today at the bank and I had so many people turn their heads and look at me like, Ugh, you have the plague. And I'm like, I, I have seasonal allergies, I swear. Oh, uh, yeah. I, I'm getting the same dirty stares at work. Uh, dear listeners, in case you can't tell, I am congested as hell. Um, and because I have not had clear sinuses for, I don't know, the last like 15 years, that's just kind of how I live my life. And uh, my sinusitis is really, really bad right now. And everyone's uh, pretty much confirmed that I have like the plague. Yeah. And uh, I, I'm starting to convince myself that I have to play because I've been playing Pandemic Legacy for the last year. And uh, yeah, it's, it, it's just really easy to convince yourself that COVID-19 is going to turn into CODA and I'm soon going to be a hollow man and it's going to be terrible. Uh, so <laughs> you heard it here first on the Geek Embassy, folks. I am patient zero for CODA. It's going to be breaking out here in Eugene, Oregon. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> on to non-fatalistic uh, news. Uh, we're going to start off with our first segment, as always, what we've been watching. Uh, we've got a few good things to uh, to pick apart. Uh, a couple of them uh, have been out for a little bit, and a few of them are a little bit more brand new. So we're going to start off with Good Omens, featuring one David Tennant of Doctor Who fame. Uh, Regina, why don't you go ahead and take the reins on this one? Okay, so I watched Good Omens, um, watched the whole series. Um, and absolutely fell in love with David Tennant. <laughs> I mean, he's a hard person to not fall in he, love with. He is. And we saw him, you'll remember, at Rose City Comic Con. Mm-hmm. And I think I remember telling you at the end of his panel that I wanted to go back and watch his um, Doctor Who. Oh yeah, um, which I haven't I haven't done, but shame. I know I am terrible. Um, and what was which was his character? I'm so bad with names. Crowley. Crowley, yes. I want to crossplay Crowley so hard. Oh, like, gracious, I would. It'd be so. It'd be so much fun to 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 dress up like Crowley and and try to get like the slouch and the whole thing going. Sounds delightful. So this is a series on Amazon Prime, right? Yes. yes. And, it's just, and it's just the one season currently? It is currently just the one season. Um, I don't know if they have another one coming out. They kind of teased um, that there might be another you know, season at the end of it. But, um, yeah. Cool. So, it, oh, so, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, you're okay. okay. Has, has anybody else watched it? Am I the only one who's seen it? Uh, I've been meaning to watch it, but I haven't because I'm lazy is basically what it comes down to. Uh, Izzy? I have seen it. Um, I saw it ages ago. <laughs> I know. It's, it's been out for a while, right? Yeah, it's been, um, it's been up for at least a couple of months, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I think it was sometime in the fall. Okay. But, yeah, I, I liked it, but it just, it, oh gosh, it reminded me a little bit too much of, like, some supernatural storylines. 
Oh. From the show Supernatural that I was just like, oh, no. <laughs> I've burnt out on this already. Well, there's only five million again. seasons of Supernatural, so I can't imagine why you burned out on that. Oh, I'm not sure why either. <laughs> Goodness. So for, for those of us who uh, who it's been a decade, like me, uh, since I last read the book, can you give us a, a, a Reader's Digest version of what this show is all about? Um, so there is, uh, you know, a son of Satan, essentially, that has been born, and uh, Crowley is sent to deliver the child to the family that's supposed to take care of him and raise him, um, which I think was a U.S. senator, right? Like, it was supposed to be, you know, a, oh, power, yeah. a powerful family was supposed to get it, but the babies get swapped, the wrong baby gets swapped, like they swap in the Antichrist, and it ends up not being the right baby, and so... He ends up being raised completely differently than they thought. Like, so this angel and this, you know, not angel, this fallen angel are sent to um, uh, kind of guide his life. Uh, one to try to make, in, you know, influences for him to be good. And one, to, you know, like totally the like angel and the devil on the shoulder kind of thing. Okay. But, but they're actual like people in, in his life. But they're literally barking up the wrong tree because the babies got swapped. (laughs) (laughs) They're trying to influence this child to be good when it's not like the kid at all. And so then it finally becomes clear that it's not the child. And on its its 11th birthday, I think it was, um, he's supposed to come into his power and be granted a hellhound and all of these sort of factors fall into things not quite working out as to plan by the powers that be above and below, because essentially, you know, kind of it comes out that um, the heaven and hell actually want to have a war. Like they want to go to war with each other. And that's what they're kind of angling toward. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Inter- interesting. Yeah. It's like I said, like it has been a very, very long time since I read the book. And yeah. I, I remember like loving Crowley. I remember loving whatever the angel's name was. I can't remember. Uh, I have the IMDb up. Aziraphale. Aziraphale. Yeah, I remember it was something long and annoying. Yes. Um, but John and- Hamm plays Gabriel. Ooh. Okay. Oh. All right. Sorry. Oh. Like you had me at, at David Tennant, but like you, you got me hook, line, and sinker at John Hamm. <laughs> Casting <laughs> of John Hamm as Gabriel is just cool. Oh. It's so oh, good. It's so fantastic. good. He's Actually, the, the cast obnoxious. He is. He is, and he just plays it like p- perfectly. You know, perfectly self-righteous. Um, you know, angel? Question mark? Because they're all kind of muddied at the end of it. But um, yes, yeah. So John Hamm is great. They're, the the casting throughout is really awesome. Fantastic. How many episodes is it in the in this first season? I think it's seven. Okay. And they're all about an hour long or so? Yeah, about that. It says, oh, it says six, but I thought I saw seven somewhere. Yeah, there's six episodes. Okay. All right. I could probably go ahead and fit that into my terribly busy schedule. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, where where I stay up until midnight, you know, just scrolling through Facebook, looking on memes and uh, not doing anything important. Right. And coming up with puns. Yeah, exactly. I've got so many. Anyways, so cool. Good omens. Uh, I know 
So I know this one has been out for a little while, but uh, yeah, it's good. It's good to see that uh, it's like it's still good even after like you know like months and months of scrutiny. Mm-hmm. Um, that's that, that's really good and encouraging to hear. And thankfully, I have a uh, I have Amazon Prime, so I'll probably, yes, I'll be jumping both, on that pretty soon. Both David Tennant and Michael Sheen, who plays Aziraphale, um, oh, are outstanding. Just the two of them together, and the way they play off each other, ah, oh, it's just. It's good. It's good. And I didn't. I'm I'm glad now that I never watched Supernatural if it would have soured me against this. <laughs> I mean, the the angels in Good Omens reminds me a lot of the angels in Supernatural, so that that was a bummer. Yeah. <laughs> um I could see that. But that that's a hard comparison to not uh, go into. But oh, um well, there will be a season 2. There is. Ooh. When's the season two coming out? I don't think they have announced it yet, but they oh. have announced that they're getting one. Okay. okay. Well, I was trying it. to see if on the IMDb it said that there'd be one coming, but I didn't see anything. Well, sounds delightful then. So that's, uh, all right, cool. So that's Good Omens. We're just going to truck right along then to a show that, at least Izzy and I watched. I'm not sure if you watched it, Regina. Uh, it's a Netflix series. Came out uh, in February of last year, or not last year, February last month, February. See this <laughs> this sinus thing is really getting to me. Uh, so it's called Lock and Key, uh, based on the original graphic novels by one Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez. Joe Hill being the son of renowned horror author Stephen King. So, uh, this came out, um, this was 10 episodes on Netflix, all about 45 minutes long or so. Um, I literally just finished the uh, season this morning uh, while I was on the bus to work. And my <laughs> goodness, was it a doozy. Uh, Izzy, what did you think about uh, this whole season? Uh, too much teenagers, not enough dark stuff. Not dark stuff. This is <laughs> this is my general opinion as well. Um, I got through the first two volumes of the of the original source material, but again, like it's been literal years since I've watched it, or since I've read it rather. There was a lot of you know, interesting teenage drama, which like I mean, teenage drama is teenage drama. Like you're gonna get that from anywhere from like from Riverdale to Supergirl to The Flash to whatever like if you've got teenagers there's going to be weird drama about it but you're absolutely right like i wanted a little bit more of like the dark horror stuff and i didn't quite get that like there was always that looming sense of like of of dread but not a lot of i don't know not like not a lot that's made it Peril? overly like yeah, perilous or scary or or Suspenseful. On the, or on the edge of my seat exactly yeah yeah yeah, um, yeah, because we had moments of that, like when um, the mom gets like sucked into the mirror world, and um, when they're like getting chased by a monster and that kind of thing. But it was always like over so fast that I didn't really like get uh, worried about the characters at all. I'm like, oh, they're gonna be fine. Oh yeah, um, and no one is listening to each other. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. Classic 
Yeah, so let's hit the pause button just a quick second. For those of you who are unaware, Lock and Key, based on the comic book, uh, it is about these three kids whose father is violently murdered. He's a therapist or a high school counselor um, and gets murdered by one of their classmates. And uh, they move from Seattle, Washington over to the Key House in the Boston area of Massachusetts to start over after after the murder, uh, and it is a haunted house basically uh, that is riddled with a whole bunch of magical keys that grant people superpowers. You know, they've got uh, a key that allows you to unlock literally unlock someone's mind. They've got a key that allows you to light light stuff on fire. Uh, they've got a key that will unlock. Uh, any door and take you to anywhere in the world that you're uh, that you're aware of. Uh, pretty cool stuff. Um, a very very cool concept. Um, just in case you weren't sure, and we we're going to continue just talking about this thing without y'all knowing what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, I think. But going back, so unpause. So going back to the actual architecture of the of the show, like, I was expected to be. A lot more scared than I was. I'm a I'm a very easily startled person. Uh, girlfriend laughs at me all the time because of how easily startled I am. Um, you know, like, this is a woman who like you know, can watch you know, who watch you know, like Freddy Krueger movies and just like laugh the entire time. I I can't. I can't. Um, like, the I com- cover my eyes during movie trailers at the movies. Like, oh, yeah, Same. that's how scared I am. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like and this like I very rarely got that. That that gut feeling of like ah like what's going uh, what's going on never really felt the need to watch this with the lights on um, like and this is coming from like again like a very easily startled person uh, if, like if like, if you're going into this looking for a great interpretation of a horror comic uh, or, or or for it to like lean into the dark mystery. Uh, or to or to you know, darker aspects or darker themes, like it's. I don't think it's really going to. I don't think it's really going to uh, appease your palate if that's really what you're looking for. Uh, if you if you watch this, if you're looking for you know like just like a cinematic adaptation of your favorite comic book, like I think it does a serviceable job. Um, hmm. You know, like it's and, a beautiful show. It is. Um, it absolutely is like the and the way that you know, the way that they uh, they shoot things and uh, the way they shoot things and the the cinematography and just all of the set pieces are just magnificent. I think the set pieces were so magnificent that they kind of cut out of the CGI budget. Uh, personally, uh, <laughs> so there is a there's a scene in episode like three or four where one of the kids uh, finds the skeleton key and. What, what this thing does, you unlock a door with it, you walk through the door, and your physical body dies, but your spirit turns into a ghost. You can fly around and do all that other fun stuff. Um, and I saw that ghost, and I literally just laughed, because it looked so out of place to everything else. Like, pe- like people oh have God. been... So uncanny valley that I just like was also laughing. I was like, oh no. <laughs> and, yeah, like, you know, like, I cannot tell you just like how bad this thing looked. It was just like, well, people have been doing ghosts in cinema for literal right. years. They couldn't figure this, this out. Okay, yeah. I started watching this actually the same night I ended up watching Good Omens um, and got maybe 15 or 20 minutes into the first episode and noped out. Um, I just couldn't handle, like, some of the acting seemed really shallow. 
um, and didn't really like pull me in. And I was, you know, curious about the story, but enough had like not happened at that point. Like, you know, long enough in that I was like, you know what, let's try something else. Instead. <laughs> 20 minutes in. Jeez. <laughs> I was like, nope. That's, <laughs> on. that's harsh. Right. I mean, I think, that, like, I think it's okay. Um, like, I'm not sure that it was, like, I'm not sure that it was worth all the hype and the buzz that it got, mm-hmm. but. Well, the trailer made it seem like exactly like with the comic. Yeah. But, yeah. And, uh, yeah. The trailer, yeah, the trailer looked incredible. I thought it was going to be absolutely amazing. Like going to be off the walls, super scary. I'm not going to sleep for a week. And it just like, it just failed to deliver uh, on that. Um, like there were some cool, like plot twists and I have to applaud them for, uh, for, I mean, again, th- this is coming from me, a very strictly monogamous person uh, who has never actually been in a non-monogamous relationship. But they appro- they they tried to go ahead and approach uh, and like and at least like like tip their toes into the subject of uh, non-monogamy in what appeared to me, at least, a very respectful and very. Uh, I don't know, like, it, it seemed like it was a well-informed way of presenting it to a larger audience, right? Because this is Netflix, mm-hmm. you know, like, every, everyone's got a Netflix account. Um, like, ultimately, like, it was kind of without teeth because the non-monogamous relationship just, like, it was over before it began. Um, but I, yeah, like, I I mean, it, the, uh, the, the female character, you know, develops feelings for two of the men. She basically goes and tells both of them, she's like, hey, listen, I can go ahead and, like, date both of you that like and that would be cool think about it and one of them was just like yeah that's just not going to work for me so it goes nowhere um but uh, but like, it seemed like fairly like ethical and fair uh the way that they presented it um like there was no real judgment or anything or anything like that um hmm. so it, it seemed like it was like it seemed like it was trying, trying. To but ultimately just like chickened out two episodes later when you know, someone was like, yeah, no. Because that's a thing that I was uh, that I was hoping that they would really explore. Uh, mm-hmm. Really explore some more. Because like that's that's something that that really doesn't get a lot of uh coverage yeah. uh, in like in media. Narratives, and, yeah. Yeah, like I mean besides like what was that uh that that show that they had a couple of years ago, like Sister Wives or something like that about uh, Mormons and like that's even that, that's the closest that you get to a non monogamous relationship and it's not even really right like, or like Big Love that was on uh, Big HBO Love and, uh, yeah 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 um, so like so like so even like the the risks that they tried to take didn't end up really panning out for me at least yeah I mean like I liked it but like this is Netflix it could have gone. It could have gone bigger. It could have gone better. Um, and I'm comparing this maybe unfairly to the February of 2019 slot, which was the Umbrella Academy from last year. That was their dark comic of choice around this time last year. Oh. And and the Umbrella Academy absolutely knocked my socks off. And yeah. it, I remember like you loved it too, right? Yes, I loved it. Yeah, you yeah, yes. you loved it. Regina loved it. Everybody everybody was absolutely blown away by the acting, by yeah. the CGI, by the plot, by uh, by 
the story, like literally everything about that show just worked on so many levels. Yeah, we had had Nicole on the show talking about that too, and she loved it as well. Yeah, like it was like it was absolutely incredible, and like it, and and that's not even like a dark horror comic. And there were a bunch of there were a bunch of scenes in that show that made me like, ah, God, what's going on? You know, and you actually fear for some of the characters. Um, you know, and and by comparison, Lock and Key, like you know, there's there's no consequences. Like the characters are wearing plot armor, you know, as you know, as thick as you know the walls on Fort Knox. Like it's just, mm-hmm. you know, like you, know, you don't ever really fear anything bad's going to happen to them. Right. Um, so yeah, but anyways, I feel like that's uh, that's about all I've got to say about Lock and Key. Izzy, do you have anything else uh, that you want to add to the subject before we move on? Um. Well. I kind of just want to echo everything you said. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's fine. Go ahead. You kind of said it all. Yeah, um, like, do all the work. It's fine. <laughs> they made some changes that I thought were interesting, especially towards the end. I won't spoil the ending, but because obviously they can't just play out the entire comic series well, and have that be the end. Like 50 issues, right? Like, Yeah, yeah. Uh, thing, but they definitely opened it up in a way that that did not happen at all <laughs> in the comics. Uh, yeah, like, oh, more stuff is coming. Da, da, da. Um, which I was, I don't know. I felt kind of like it, they went that direction of like, oh yeah, everything's fine. Oh wait, here's the one thing you missed. Things are good. I, and then it's like immediately the rug gets pulled out from you, and yeah. you're gonna be like, oh, they're just going for a season two like i'd rather not them have done that but yeah okay yeah i mean yeah i i never actually finished lock and key uh, i know i'm a bad nerd uh, i got to like it the second or third hardcover and then for whatever reason i just like dropped off of it like it wasn't because i didn't like it i just like had other stuff to read right um and i got that feeling from the final episode that like this was absolutely not how it ended um, no. Even even though I never read the ending, and like and just going back to the whole like not really having teeth, uh, that entire final episode really didn't feel like it had teeth at all. Where like they go ahead and like the thing happens, you think that the main plot is resolved, and you and you're sitting around for another twenty five minutes in the episode saying like okay like well what's going on now and that entire like last montage of just like oh these are all the things that you missed like that just felt really cheap to me that that felt like oh like we don't really have a clever narrative way to fit all of these things into the like into the previous episodes or even into previous scenes in this episode that astute people will have will have caught on to uh, or upon rewatching you'll be able to have picked up on and got you know and gotten the clues like no we're just going to go ahead and spell it out for you this is what happened and this is why the things are the way that they are at the end of the season like it just it, it just spoke to me of lazy writing right it was like the epitome of laziness because i'm like you wrote this entire show you could have done something to yeah, like, like put in a few like you know, red herrings or like foreshadowing or whatever, but nope, nope. It all comes out in the last like five minutes. And I was just like, Oh, great. And we still don't know the motivation of anyone. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, you know, 
like yeah, it's I mean, just like, oh, that person's bad. <laughs> yeah, I mean, and like and that's the thing. Like, like Regina, like I'm just gonna spoil like a little bit for her. Like that's fine. Like I'm not gonna theme. watch it. Okay, <laughs> so like the so spoiler alert for all of our listeners who are actually gonna watch it. Uh, we're spoiling like a lot of things at this point. Like the the main villain uh, has an. Uh, an identity key that's what they call it, the identity key where she plugs it into her chin twists the key and she can change herself into anybody into literally anyone um and which is not something that happened in the comics i will say oh, that which is not something that happened in the comics apparently and I, I didn't remember it but i again like by memory a little bit too much of like uh <laughs> we can do anything now yeah pretty much um so you have a shapeshifter. You have an excellent opportunity to uh, to really go ahead and sow some sort of dread or some sort of mystery of like this person could be anyone. And it seems like everyone just kind of forgot that that was a thing. Everyone's like, "Oh yeah, right. Everything's perfectly fine. Cool. Like yeah, we got this person, and now they're dead and things like that." And we're just like, "Oh well, like they're a shapeshifter." could literally be anyone and literally no one thinks of it and i'm just like why why did you, like it just let it just left me screaming at my phone on on the bus internally <laughs> <laughs> because I, I don't want to be the crazy guy on the bus I, it was just oh god like i don't i don't understand like you've got this you got this wonderful little plot device uh and like, and it's something that like that you could easily go ahead and sew into the uh, the rest of the larger narrative, and it was just it was just a plot thread that was uh, that was left undone, you know. And like, and they had they have two other plot threads that were just completely left out in the open. You know, one of the characters removes her sense of fear from her mind, and it's just wandering around Boston, just attacking people for no reason. Looks like a crazy homeless person with claws. Yeah. Uh, and the uh, and. The person who killed the children's father uh, got turned into a ghost, and still a ghost, and he's just kind of like wandering around uh, for like he was dead at episode six or something like that. And then we had four more episodes, and he really didn't play a factor at all. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Great. So, so you've got dangling plot threads. Awesome. Like, it's not even a thing. It's just like these things are just literally never addressed again. Like, if they were addressed again, it could be cliffhangers. But now, like, that's just lazy writing. Right. Right. So, anyways, uh, that's all that I want to discuss about Lock and Key. Uh, I know I tried to wrap it up like five minutes ago, but I had more things fairly that I wanted to talk about. Uh, and Izzy wanted to talk about too. That's fine. Don't worry about it. So, anyways, let's go on to uh, Good Girls. Uh, you, Regina, you just did an ep- episode of Game on Girl about this particular TV show. Is that I right? did. Fantastic. I did. So go I ahead, recorded, uh, start it off. I, okay, we recorded an episode called uh, "The Female Mastermind," um, talking about uh, the main character played by Christina Hendricks in Good Girls, um, mm-hmm. Beth Boland. Um, and so, if you want to hear kind of like me talk in depth about her character and um, her evolution through the show, uh, go listen to Game on Girl. But we can talk in more sort of general terms about the show itself here. Cool. Can, you, can you give me an overview? Because I actually don't know what the show's about. I can give you an overview. So, um, Good Girls is about three sort of suburban moms um, who kind of uh, clandestinely end up in the crime world and oh. committing uh, 
pretty serious <laughs> crimes for like their side jobs. <laughs> um, okay. Essentially how it works out is Beth is, um, uh, it's Beth and uh, her little sister, Annie, and then their best friend, Ruby. So the three of them have known each other since they were kids. Um, they all live like, you know, near each other and have kids of various ages. Um, uh, Annie works at a grocery store, kind of a low, low grade, like grocery, grocery store. She's harassed by her manager who's, you know, sexually harassing her. This is how she set up in the first, um, in the plot episode. Um, and, uh, Beth is clearly got like the most prestige. She's got a husband who runs a car dealership. She's got a biggest, the biggest house. She's got four kids. He's got, you know, commercials on the TV. They, you know, from all outside vision, visions look, you know, wealthy and well-to-do. Uh, Ruby is a woman of color. She's clearly kind of, uh, more of a struggling class. Her husband is a security guard. Uh, they have a child who is in kidney failure and they can't afford to pay the out-of-pocket treatments for her daughter's illness. And they're trying to get help from, like, you know, social services and social med you know, the medicine that's kind of provided to people, and they're not getting very far with it. So one day at breakfast, Annie says, um, you know, all these people try to come in and rob where she works and they just let them like take the money. She's like, because they're all dumb and they go for the, um, the cash register. She's like, but there's no money in the cash registers. If you want to steal something, you need to go to the safe in the back. She's like, and they're all dumb because they park their getaway cars out front. When, if you want to get away, you park your getaway car out back, you go out the back door and there's no security cameras out there. Ah. So she's got this whole plan down and she kind of jokingly says, ha ha ha, when do you want to do it? And they're all like joking and ha, okay, we're not going to do it. Then mm -hmm. it comes to light that all of them end up having these gigantic money problems hit them at the same time. Uh oh. Ruby needs the money for her daughter's medic medical expenses. Beth needs money because it comes husband has been financially irresponsible and has of course run the dealership into you know the red and has run their credit cards up and hasn't made their house payment in four months um so they're about to get evicted uh oh and um annie um is going to be going up in a custody battle over her daughter um who is um who she had when she was like 17 so she's like um early um preteen you know age yeah. Well, all these things hit them at the same time. So then they decide to rob the store. <laughs> oh, okay. That's a thing. And they estimate that they're going to get about $30,000 because that's about what's kept in, you know, usually in, in the safe. So they successfully pull off this heist um, and they get away with it. Like they get away with the money and, um, as they're counting it, Annie's like, oh, well, there was more money in the safe than I anticipated. And she starts pouring out bag upon bag upon bag of money, and it turns out they stole half a million dollars. Jesus Christ. Um, That's yes. a lot of money. Without thinking about why, why would a grocery store have half a million dollars in cash in their safe? Because, yeah, why wouldn't they? Obviously. Why would they? Right. I mean, you know, this is a thing, I'm sure, right? Yeah, I'm sure. Well, it never, it, it still hasn't been explained exactly why there was so much money, but it turns out that it belonged to another crime, 
boss. Oh, fun. <laughs> and he tracks them down. The police don't track them down. The police don't figure it out. Mm-hmm. But the crime boss knows where it is. And so this essentially puts them on this path of um, doing business with this crime lord and essentially working for him. Um, yeah. And that's, that's, that's the show. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> Three suburban moms and their adventures in crime. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Seems pretty interesting. It, it is. It is. Okay. And there's a, there's a lot of play, and that's what I talk about a little bit in the episode. There's a lot of play on gender because they can get away with a lot of the crime because nobody's expecting it of them. Oh, yeah, because they're weak and feeble women. Right. And they're, they're you know, especially for, for Beth, because she is, uh, she's very smart and she is able to outsmart um, pretty much everybody that she comes in contact with. And that's where she kind of finds some serious agency in, in this world. And she's really good at like coordinating it. Like she takes all, like she's been like the super mom, right? Like the, you know, the PTA mom and all that. So she takes all of those organization skills and she applies it to, you know, this crime business. Seems pretty. Wow. Okay. That's, <laughs> that's not where I was expecting this to go. But okay. Where, where can I find this if I wanted to watch it? Uh, there are two seasons that are available on Netflix. The first two seasons are on Netflix. The third season is airing now. It's on, um, uh, I, I watch it on Hulu. It's airing on NBC. Okay. Um, so I didn't, I didn't talk at all about the third season since it's just coming out. Um, and just talked a little bit about the first two, even in the episode. I don't, I try not to spoil, I try not to spoil too much of it here too. That's just the basic setup. I do talk about the comparison because it, it was about halfway through the first season. I was like, Oh, this is breaking bad with women in charge. <laughs> I was, that, that's pretty much what I was go. What I was going to say was that like, this sounds like it's breaking bad. It is. It is. There There are a lot of, of comparisons to it, but they kind of took Walter's story and then spread it out over the three women. So like all of the components of Walter's story, Walter White's story and Breaking yeah. Bad, each one of the like three characters has a piece of it. Okay. Um, yeah. So um, it's, it's, it's really, it's really enjoyable. And like I said, I love that um, the way they use their gender, the way they use um, the assumptions people make about them because they are suburban moms um, against them. So that's, that's pretty fantastic, especially Beth, especially Beth and, and her role is kind of the mastermind. So Mm. it's, it's enjoyable. I, I really, I, I, I binged the first two seasons, three days. Oh, goodness gracious. So easily consumable then. Very much so. And it's Christina Hendricks. Oh, why didn't you just lead off with that? I did. (laughs) I must have missed that part. Christina Hendricks plays Beth Bolin. Oh, okay. Well, in which case, that's, yeah, cool. Uh, Is this this like a sitcom or is this like a drama or what what is this? A bit of both. It's a a dramedy, I would say. Okay, okay. Yeah, there's definitely, there are scenes where I just like, Sitting at my because I I watch it by myself, so I always if I laugh out loud when I'm watching something by myself, I know it's really funny because like I generally won't. I'll watch things that are funny and just kind of like chuckle if I'm by myself. But yeah. if I'm like busting a gut watching something at my computer, yeah. yeah. And there were at least three times in that first season where I was just crying because it was so funny. Okay, so. seems good. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, maybe that's on the agenda for uh, for next month. 
but maybe I'm I'm oh. I'm not sure. I'm, I'm I'm still behind on on like practically everything. Yeah, well, that's the way it goes. I mean, it is what it is. We're adults with lives, right? <laughs> uh, cool. So, uh, we ready to move on from Good Girls? Yes. Yes, maybe. Okay, cool. So yes. we're coming down to the last thing on our agenda for. Uh, for what we've been watching. Uh, and this is one that's, uh, if you listened to our last episode, uh, I was pretty, I had, I had a lot of feelings about this one. You, you, you threw a lot of shade. I'm I just threw, say I it. threw a lot of shade. You threw at, a lot of shade. That's Birds of Prey, parentheses, and the Fantabulous Emancipation of One Harley Quinn. Yes. Close parentheses. Yep. I paid money to see this in the theater. Because I'm an idiot. Uh, someone else start start off about this. Uh, we- <laughs> <laughs> you, can't, you can't start that way and then be like, wait, no, I'm someone like, else go. <laughs> I can't talk about this. I mean. Because I did. I loved it. It was exactly my kind of movie. So. Okay. So, I don't know. <laughs> this is going to be interesting. Well, I want to see it. I haven't. Here, so, but- here's the thing. It's like, I, I want to hear some positive things about the movie that don't amount to, oh, ha, 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 Harley Quinn is just the best character ever, because that's not a real argument. Uh, it's the same reason why I hate everyone who loves Deadpool. My girlfriend loves Deadpool. I'm sorry, Muriel. I love you very dearly. But like everyone else who loves Deadpool besides her is just like, ha, 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 Deadpool's just so funny. Ah! Like, that's not a reason to love somebody. Like, there's got to be something more for the character. Anyways, continue. Go ahead. Okay, I am not a person who loves Harley Quinn. I've never liked Harley. The, the when I love Harley the most is when she's uh, Poison Ivy's girlfriend, and then yep. I can get into it. Um, but uh, I liked it one. The Joker's not in there. <laughs> yeah, a great start. Um. I love the, so I went into it thinking it was going to be a little bit different because they kind of set it up like it's going to be like the group of them together for the most of the movie. And that really doesn't really happen until like the climax of everything. Yeah. Um, so I was like, I kind of spent a lot of the movie thinking that would happen, but it's still a lot of like Harley and the kid that she's trying to save. Yeah. You know? Um, so I will try to explain the plot, but I am terrible at explaining plot. So it's going to, there's going to be holes all over the place. Um, so the plot is, is that Harley has officially dumped the, this, the Joker. Everybody knows, and everyone is out to get her now. And she kind of gets involved with the bad guy. What's his face? Black mask. Black mask. Cause original. Um, and he's kind of like the worst dude, just like really skeevy and kills people for fun and rips off their faces. Yeah. Um, so he decides to go after Harley cause he wants her to work for him. She ends up, uh, well, she and his sidekick dude kind of end up losing a really big giant diamond cause it gets pickpotted, pickpotted by yep. by this really clever kid who just 
steals everything because she's a foster kid. Um, Cassandra Kane. <laughs> um, and she's she's great. I adored her. Um, but then, so Harley gets blamed for the diamond being lost, and she basically has twenty four hours to get it back. And she ends up getting really attached to the kid and her and eventually her and the group of other women. Mm -hmm. Um, Where the name Birds of Prey comes from, which is, as Dante has said, not where that comes from. So I don't know why that's why they chose to name the movie that. Yeah. So it's kind of all of them going up against all of Black Mask guys. And, you know, things play out, so to say. Um, and that was probably a really boring way to explain the plot of this movie. <laughs> I mean, it was, like, it was streamlined, if nothing else. Uh, which, 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 is, which is fine, like, which is what we need, because, like, you know, like, you know me, like, if you, like, you go ahead and you turn me on, like, I'll just keep talking forever. Uh, so, uh, like, so, so, yeah, like, we, we've, we've got our main like cast of characters. And I think that was, that was one of the things that like, I really didn't like about this movie because it was advertised as birds of prey featuring Harley Quinn. Right. Um, I went into it expecting the birds of prey. Cause like, I love the birds of prey comics. They're fantastic comics. Usually where like, where you've got, you got Oracle, you got Huntress, you've got like, occasionally you've got Hawk and Dove, you got the question. Uh, it's, it's just, this rotating cast of female superheroes who do a lot of like the dirty jobs that none of the other male heroes want to do because like they're too important or what, or they're too important to go ahead and sully themselves with like these low level crimes with the birds of prey. Like they take care of business because that's what they do. And this was like, this was barely, this barely even qualified as an origin story for the birds of prey. Um, because it was basically just like Harley Quinn the movie featuring all of Harley Quinn's friends. And I, 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 I that, that was that was really my main thing. Like I just wanted more of the group rather than Harley, because like I do not like Harley Quinn at all. Uh I think she's like I realize that it's a very unpopular thing to say. I think she's a waste of character, uh, especially like especially in this uh, like the new Fifty Two version of her, which is the one that we see where she's wearing the short shorts and the, like and the leggings. She's got the pigtails and she's wandering around with like with her giant bat and you know being like you know like the girl who's sexy but doesn't know it. It's it's oh god, I I hate literally everything about it like down to her over uh, done her like her overdone new york accent like it's just it it is mind-boggling how bad it is and it's just it's like like nails on a chalkboard like flames heaving flames on the side of my face uh it was it just grated on me but uh i mean like like i'm i'm trying to like look for positive things to say about this movie um Pass the Bechdel test in about five seconds, which is great. <laughs> um, <laughs> I mean, no, no, that like that was fine. It's like, and it is also like genuinely good to see studios take a stab at an all female led movie uh, without it without it really being overtly about 
empowering women and empowering feminism. Like it did like it had those sub things, but it didn't like beat you over the head with them, which like usually like I'm perfectly okay with. Um, but a lot of angry man babies on the internet are not. So like so I'm I'm glad that it was at least like, you know, subtle. Or <laughs> You know, like as as subtle as a as a woman in you know like in a, a crop top and booty shorts carrying a baseball bat can be. <laughs> um, I think, and I think the other thing that that really annoys like I'm a big fan of the question. Uh, Renee Montoya, uh, she's one of the very few Latino superheroes that we have, and you know, like one can argue like she's not a real superhero because she doesn't have powers. You know, like oh, like screw you, Batman's a superhero. He has he doesn't have any superpowers either. So you know, go fly a kite. Whatever, uh, but so we've got Renee Montoya. She's the question. She's like the second greatest detective in the world, second only to Batman. Uh, but she, she's got this really cool mask where, like, you can't see her face at all. Like, it just looks like it just blends in with her skin. She's got no facial features at all. It's really unnerving to see in the comics, um, and also, like, it also probably very difficult to pull off in uh, like in a, a cinematic thing, a cinematic movie. But uh, like, just got to see Renee Montoya's fall from grace, where she's uh, like, she's an alcoholic cop, and she's chasing this Harley, this Harley Quinn case, and she eventually just like gets fired from the court, uh, because she's you know, getting too getting too personally involved. I really wanted her to see see her become the question, but then she didn't. Um, uh, we got to see the Huntress, kind of like where she was just like the Arrow Lady for half the movie, three quarters of the movie until, you know, we got a, a force fed origin story for her about three quarters of the way through, right? Like before the third act begins. And she's like, I'm Helena Bertinelli and I'm the Huntress. And they're all like, ah, oh, that's such a cool name. Like, why, like, where were you? Where were you for the first hour and 15 minutes that I was watching this thing? Ah, why? <laughs> yeah, it is just, ah, like there, there's it's so much, I don't know. It just felt like there was so much wasted potential. Like I wanted the origin of the group as a whole. I didn't want the origin of Harley Quinn. I already know where Harley Quinn came from. Like, give me more Birds of Prey. Give me less Harley. But I understand. Like Margot Margot Robbie is the uh, like is is the main draw for this movie, and I just ah uh, so frustrating because there's things that I like about it. Like I wanted to like it, but I just can't. I just can't with misleading titles. I just can't. Isabel, say something good about the movie, please. <laughs> the choreography in this was amazing. Like that fight, the fight scene where she breaks into the police station. Oh, yeah. It was wonderfully done. Yeah, the most inept police officers ever on the face of the planet. Yes, that was a yes, brilliant. they're Gotham scene. police officers. Like, <laughs> but, yeah, that's true. <laughs> it's very um, the, so the choreography is great. Um, pretty much every chase scene I was, like, not bored by. Um, the the humor, I actually, I really love the humor. Like, that whole, there's a whole, like, ode to an egg sandwich um, near the beginning. But oh, yeah, that was, that was I, so kind of funny. <laughs> we were just, like, cracking up because she, she just, like, it's, like, I think people are saying, like, I am more invested in this Harley and Egg Sandwich um, relationship than most, like, romantic comedies. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah, I, I saw a meme saying that uh, that 
that Margot Robbie and an egg sandwich had more romantic chemistry than Henry Cavill and Amy Adams ever had in their like 120 <laughs> minutes uh, on screen together as Clark Kent and Lois Lane. It was hilarious. And also not untrue. <laughs> totally. And um, gosh, what was the last thing? Oh, the clothes. The clothes, which I don't know anyone probably even cares about, but the clothes were awesome because just the comparison of like Suicide Squad Harley versus like this Harley is just a very stark difference of yeah. like male gaze versus female gaze. Yeah, so it was yeah, it was cool. Um, I, I I do. I do like the costume choices. The uh, like the the gold overalls at the end was just like chef's kiss. Like brilliant, uh, like brilliant use of like the Harlequin pattern, but with something that's uh, like that still felt really Harley without like without actually like without like actually like being the black and red jumpsuit from the comics. Right, which I you either love or you hate because you have seen ten thousand cosplayers do the. Harlequin uh, jumpsuit. Yeah. Um. Let's see. I don't know. I just really love. <laughs> I just really love all the fight scenes so much, and yeah. I love all of them just beating the crap out of like dozens and dozens of like nameless dudes all over the place. Um. And the music was amazing. I actually like looked up the music, and I am someone who never notices the music and things because I genuinely don't care about music like 90% of the time. Mm-hmm. But I actually went out and saw some of the music from the movie. Okay. So that's nice. a little <laughs> nice. Okay. Um, so I don't know. I just, you, you want a movie where they just beat the crap out of dudes and <laughs> That's it. That's that's birds of prey. <laughs> I mean, you know, like there you go. Like, I mean, you know, to like say say nothing about uh, about you know characterization or story arcs or anything like that. You know, like, there's only one person who really has a story arc, and that's Harley. Like, I mean, that's I, I suppose that's a positive thing to say about the movie is that she actually does uh, grow uh, from the person who she is at the beginning to the person who she is at the end. You're like, hey, that's the textbook definition of a story arc, right? Um, she's uh, like, she's good with that. With regards to the fight scenes, like yes, they were brilliant. Yes, they were they were wonderful, um, brilliantly choreographed. I think another problem that I had with I think this might just be with, like Harley as a character uh, is the rapid change from her being helpless blonde dits who knows nothing about what's going on at all ever to the person who is taking down the entire Gotham city police force with a sawed off shotgun. Like the, like these two people exist inside of the same body. And I don't understand how, like, I don't understand how you could be so clueless and helpless in one scene. And literally five minutes later, like become like one of the greatest, one of the greatest on-screen fighters that, that, you know, that we've seen in recent memory. Like, I don't understand how this happens. It's just, it's so Jarringly inconsistent to me that like that I, I'm asking these questions and like and I'm not a kind of person who picks movies apart. Like I watch the Avengers movies for God's sake; those movies are ripe for me picking apart. And I'm just like, yeah, these are great. And this sort of 
I, this one I've just said. They're like, oh, like how how did you become how did you become this person? Like, I don't know. Uh, it's just. I- I think yeah. part of it is that I genuinely don't understand how, like, does Harley have powers? Like, what? <laughs> she doesn't. She's just a person. Because there's the whole scene in the beginning where she, like, falls into a vat of chemicals or whatever. And I was like, does that mean she's supposed to have powers in this movie? I don't get it. <laughs> no, yeah, like, she, she's just a regular person who's just crazy, you know? Like, that, that's pretty much it. That's her super. Okay. Yeah, she's like yeah. Just, like, just like the yeah, Joker. Like the Joker's superpower is that he's crazy. She like got the crap beaten out of her, pretty much, and she's just totally fine. And yeah, I didn't understand that part of it, but I just, I just kind of hand wave. You know, like like these are yeah, these are superhero movies. There's there's a bunch that you have to hand wave, right? Um, because like none of these people are superpowered beings, so, like. Like you know, like the Huntress, uh, Cassandra Kane, who grows up to be Batgirl in the comics, uh, like Harley, uh, the Question. Like none of these. Oh, people although are, Canary, it's Canary, I guess. Black Canary. Canary. Oh, Black Canary is. I completely yeah. forgot about Black Canary. I'm a, I'm a dumb dumb. Uh, <laughs> she was great. She was the only part of the movie that I that I really really liked, um, because again, like you know, they, this is a minority leading woman um, taking the taking the the role that is normally reserved for the black canary in the comics is usually uh pasty white blonde hair blue eyes and they gave it to a black woman uh in this movie and it worked it just worked you know like they didn't they didn't call out anything as you know that you know that like you know, that necessitated that she that she be really any race and it just kind of worked uh there uh she was so she was every bit the the, uh, the the Spitfire that I really liked from the comics, uh, I felt like because she was because she was not a well-to-do white woman like she is in the comics, they had a little bit more space to explore some to explore some uh, you know, some some more street-level stuff. Uh, you know, like you're just dealing with like living in poverty and dealing with having to make hard choices uh, and deal with like run-ins with bad people because those are your only options that you've got is between a rock and a hard place uh though that that is the thing that i up until this moment i completely forgotten about uh which was actually a really good part of the movie um and i thought they did a very good job of exploring those uh, uh that aspect of it it's okay no one hey. has to respond to me that's fine don't worry <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm glad there was something, something that you liked yeah <laughs> so yeah, so, I think you just may hate Harley. That's fine. <laughs> like I do, I really hate Harley, and like this is a movie. Like if you hate Harley Quinn or you're annoyed by bad New York accents, don't go watch this movie. Uh, if you, I stopped hearing it partway through, honestly, but I, I don't know. You know, hand wave. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of hand waves. It's like you know, it's like Storm's disappearing accent, like Halle Berry's disappearing accent from the beginning of the X Men movie to the end of it is just hilarious. Anyways. Uh, we're going to move on from Birds of Prey because we're on a time crunch today. Uh, we're going to move forward to what we're looking forward to. This is stuff that is coming out in the next uh, month or two, or in one of our cases. I think uh, I think it actually already came out. We're just going to start watching it soon. But Regina, why don't you start us off with uh, Westworld Season 3? Yeah, so Westworld is coming back. Um, it's an HBO show. Uh, we've talked about it before, right? Didn't we do some we, episodes? We, ha- we have talked about it before. Yeah. So we talked cool. about it. Everybody knows what Westworld is at this point. Yeah. So, um, 
I don't remember where we left off, though. <laughs> All I remember was that there were samurais, and that's it. Uh, that's, that's, that's about it. Uh, and I know it debuts this Friday, right? I think it's March 15th. The 15th. That's Sunday. But yes. Sunday. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's coming right up um, uh, on uh, on HBO and HBO Go or HBO Now, whatever it is. Uh, yeah. So I've been, I really enjoyed season one and season two. You're, you watch it too, Isabella, right? Yeah. Yeah. I was like, we yeah, we did. We did a whole thing. A on whole it. thing on it. Yeah, I know. It's. It's been a while. It's been a while, and the brain. brain. Dolores burned everything down. That's <laughs> where we left off. Like, also, hasn't it been like two years between seasons? It has it's, been. It's been a while. Yes, <laughs> it's been so long that on the IMDb entry for Westworld right now, it actually has a video cheat sheet for you. Uh. So if you have forgotten, it says. Uh, Westworld and all its hosts are coming back for a third season. Here's your cheat seat for the first two seasons in case you aren't a robot and have forgotten a few things. So <laughs> they're acknowledging the fact that it was 2018 when <laughs> the last episode came out. <laughs> Very nice. <laughs> in oh. fact, it was May of 2000 or June of 2018 when the last one came out. So it's been a good year and a half. Yeah. Okay. Sounds all right. Sounds good. So, uh, I mean, I hope that you like marathon. No, marathon a lot of it. Just see, so like, you remember what's going on before uh, before you start season three, and just. Well, I'm definitely checking out this cheat sheet. <laughs> yeah, or at least do that. <laughs> right. And um, Jay did write ups for us for the whole uh, second season on the oh, site. Right. So, if people are looking for synopses with her analysis in them, you should check them out on the Geek Embassy. Shameless plug. Hashtag. <laughs> All right, cool. So we got Westworld, possibly Shogun World, possibly also uh, Fire World because someone burned everything down. Uh, that that sounds like fun. I like it. So, anyways, uh, Isabella, talk to me about Outlander. I didn't know this show was still going on. This show is on its fifth season. Um, which seems a little ridiculous because I feel like it just started not that long ago, but. I mean, the books have been out for, like, going on 20-something years or something like that. So, and those are still going on. So, it's kind of, <laughs> so, you know, time time is wibbly-wobbly. Um, I have not started watching season three yet because I have not had the time to dedicate to it. Season five. Um, yes, it's season five, the newest yeah. season that's airing right now. Um I think most of the seasons are out on Netflix right now. Um, if you don't subscribe to stars, like uh, 95% of humanity. Mm-hmm. Um. <laughs> yeah, who, who actively pays for a star subscription? I'll tell you who. It's people who sign up for the free trial and then forget to cancel afterwards. That's who signs exactly. up for yep. Stars and gym memberships. <laughs> stars and gym memberships, yes. I use my gym membership. Thank you very much. I'm going tonight. After we record this episode, nice. Look at you go. Pays for my gym membership, and I still don't go. So I do it. But I did pay for stars to watch Outlander. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, did any of us watch Picard? 
I was I was gonna bring that up at the end okay. of this episode that we all thought that we were gonna watch Picard uh, at the end of the last episode, right? And no one has put it on their list. Yeah. Uh, um, the first episode was even on YouTube, yep. maybe for a while, and I still didn't watch it. And I've heard some not great things, so I'm I'm curious. Yeah. I've heard very, I've heard very mixed reviews about uh, about Picard. Like people yeah. either love it or tell me that it's a dumpster fire. Yeah, and, exactly. That's what I'm seeing too. And that's kind of cementing my whole theory that I, that like, I'm just gonna wait until Disco comes back on, and then I'm going to purchase the CBS All Access subscription at that point, and then just marathon through Picard all at once. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, I just got, I just got a Roku, and I have a three month trial. Um, but uh, I haven't okay. activated it yet because I'm waiting for Disco to come back. <laughs> oh yeah, Disco's been gone for like a year and a half at this point. Yeah, I'm just like, what the hell? Where's yeah. Where's Disco? Yeah. Anyways, uh, that's something that Sorry. we're that we're all looking forward to. But uh, it's not coming up in the next month. Otherwise, we would be have, we would have talked about it at length already. <laughs> uh, the thing that I'm looking forward to is coming up on April 3rd. It's a, a Marvel movie. Uh, but not really a Marvel movie uh, because it's in the X-Men universe. It's called The New Mutants. Uh, I did a little podcast episode about this a couple of months ago when the first trailer showed up. Uh, This is following the trials and tribulations of some of the more forgotten characters in the X-Men universe, uh, people that we haven't seen on screen before. Uh, And it's structuring itself a little bit more like a horror movie because a lot of these people have pretty scary powers. You know, there's there's a guy who turns himself into a giant flaming ball of like fire. I, I thought I was going to go somewhere more creative with that. It's just a flaming ball of fire. Uh, there's a dude who can hurdle himself at uh, at ludicrous speeds towards things, and he kills people when he hits them. Uh, there's a person who literally is just a werewolf, uh, and yeah. Another, and another uh, mutant who can project people's greatest nightmares uh, to it, basically just do psychic battle with them stuff like that. Ooh, it's, it's weird. Uh, it's a great comic if you ever want to dive into the, new, into the old source material. Uh, but yeah, yeah, they're they're really leaning into, or at least the trailer looks like they're leaning into the horror aspect. I don't know what this is rated, but if it's not rated R, it's probably going to be bad. Am I an idiot who's going to go watch it in theaters? Yes, because trailers are deceptive, as Isabella and I found out with Lock and Key, that even though a trailer promises you super scary horror stuff, you know, it's probably just going to be a whole bunch of you know, teen drama and shenanigans, but I'm going to watch it because I like the X-Men, and that's what I'm, that's what I'm going to be that's looking That's your story, and you're to. sticking to it. Pretty much. I yeah. saw the trailer and I kind of like got a little spooked from the trailer. I'm not gonna lie. Oh yeah, like it was a, it was a well put together trailer. I liked and it. And then the new mutants came out. It came on at the end, and I was like, wait, holy crap! <laughs> oh yeah, exactly. Like, like as, as soon as they they were just like, yeah, like Ileana. I was like, Ileana Rasputin, the uh, sister of Colossus. I am here. <laughs> like this is great. Uh, and I was just. Yeah, like I, I knew what it was from the beginning, but I didn't want to believe that it was the New Mutants because, like, this isn't a horror comic; it's a superhero comic of like all the misfits in the misfit crowd. <laughs> so it's uh, but yeah, it looks like it's gonna be fun. Uh, I'm probably going to come back here in a month and be grumpy old man Dante about it, just like I was with Harley. So about bonus, Maisie Williams, isn't it? Yeah, Ma- yeah, Maisie mm-hmm. Williams, assassin. Yep, Arya Stark herself is in it. 
so should be uh yeah should be interesting i mean Again, like I don't care if any of y'all go watch it. I'm going to watch it. And I'm just going to complain for 20 minutes. It's going to be. Great. I'm probably going to watch it on a smaller screen because I'm a wimp, <laughs> and I can't watch scary movies in theaters. I mean, but maybe it won't be scary. Maybe it will really will pull a walking key. Tell you so. what, I'll like, I'll text you as soon as I see it, and I'll be like, "Yo, this was not scary at all." And then you <laughs> and then you can go watch it. Okay. Uh, so, <laughs> all right, so. I think that draws us to a close. I'd like to thank you all for listening out there in uh, radio and podcast land. Uh, thank you, Regina, and thank you, Isabella, for joining me tonight on this lovely evening that we're having here in the States of Oregon and Washington. Uh, please like, follow, favorite, share, subscribe, and do everything social that tells people that we are a website, and we would love to have all of your attention and clicks and likes and subs and all that other fun stuff. We're going to have all of our contact and socials in the show notes and until next time get your geek on good night everybody bye so here's the uh, here's the operative thing like how do i stop recording okay okay Oh, there it is. Stop recording.